welcome to Create Expectations. I'm Tom Kennedy. And in today's episode of Introduce Yourself, we catch up with Nate Goyer of The Vinyl Guide. Nate shares the touching story of how the death of a close friend and fellow record collector led him to start his podcast and the incredible legacy he has created with his friend's collection. In just a few years, The Vinyl Guide has grown into a podcasting behemoth, bringing together musicians and industry pros to chat all things music. As Nate puts it, speaking to his heroes is his hobby. He also shares some amazing records from his collection, everything from the Monkees to the Melvins, and there are some serious grails in there. So here is Introduce Yourself with Nate Goyer. But yeah, Nate, thanks for joining us. Uh, Nate of The Vinyl Guide. Well, you are The Vinyl Guide. Um, I am. Uh, it's awesome to have you on and, and have a bit of a dig through your musical bio. Um, but before we get into your selections, tell us a bit about The Vinyl Guide podcast, how you sort of got into that and how it's grown into this uh, this beast uh, with these really impressive guests. I mean, I was just looking through the list. Um, you know, recently Sendog from Cypress Hill. I mean, you had Ian Anderson was one that I really loved. I'm a massive Tull fan. Um, ahead of his uh, of Jethro Tull's latest album. I mean, how how have you sort of you've created this monster with a life of its own? <laughs> well, thank you. Look, um, it, look, the, the vinyl guide. It, it all started back in 2015 with the unfortunate death of a very close friend of mine who uh, he and I used to um, hang out and talk records, listen to records, and just have these conversations, which I absolutely loved. Mm. And when he passed on, I, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do with that. I felt like I needed some sort of, you know, relief valve. And mm. um, I've always been an IT nerd. Um, I used to be into broadcasting way back in the day when you could actually make a living out of it. So I thought, you know what, let me just start this podcast and let me just see what happens. And I have no expectations, but it's, it's a bit cathartic. Um, and I started down the process, just sharing information and uh, it's just picked up all this steam. Um, the, the vinyl guide, the name guide is not meant to be like, I'm guiding people. It, it's more like, you know, I'm just, I'm just pointing out different things to look mm. at. You know, I'm not an authority. I'm not an expert by any stretch, but you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a hardcore record collector nerd. I like the stories behind them. For some reason, my brain hangs on to all these facts <laughs> about vinyl records and first pressings. And yeah. like, so, so yeah, it's just kind of my, my little adventure, you know, through record collecting and yeah, up to now, I think we've had about 350 episodes. Wow. Interviews with artists and you know people in the industry that would know stuff about records and um uh, you know just uh, i've been fortunate enough to be able to get these people on the show and sit them down for a bit and talk to them about the rare records of their career and uh it's been phenomenally successful and i'm i'm still pretty humble it's pretty weird you know just thinking about you know these the different just speaking to my heroes that's mm. my that's my hobby you know, some people on the weekends play golf, you know, some people, you know, work on their car. I speak to my heroes. That's my hobby. That's really cool. And you yourself, uh, um, you've been collecting for 40 years, I think. So, I mean, you must have amassed a, a pretty awesome collection yourself. <laughs> I think I did. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I've been collecting for 40 years. Um, I, look, I've had records from a very young age. I was the youngest of four and my older brothers and sister were, they were, 
you know, significantly older than me, you know, six, six, eight and 10 years older than mm. me. So when you're, when you're the youngster in a group like that, your older brothers and sisters are, they're like gods, right? You know, immensely influential. And so mm. they were going through the rock music of the seventies and, and I was just watching and on and I wanted to be part of it. And yeah. what was important to them was important to me. And so, so yeah, from a very early age, I was getting records, um, sometimes not by choice, um, as the youngest. The hand-me-downs. Yeah, well, I got plenty of hand-me-downs, but I'd also get things like, like it'd be Christmas time or my birthday. And they would, my brother and sister mm-hmm. say, oh, wow, I think Nathan would like some Aerosmith. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, okay, let's give him a happy birthday. Here's the Aerosmith record. Hey, let's put it on. So they, so they, they would yeah, get yeah. what they wanted, <laughs> and, but yeah, I'm, I was happy to be that instrument. You got uh, an education at the same time. Full on education. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I started developing kind of taste. I like this. I like that. Obviously it was shaped by them. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, from a very early age, also my dad, he would take me out every Saturday. We would go to, I remember Skaggs drugstore in Missouri and, um, every week just for going on the trip, he would buy me a 45. And so I'd get to pick from this massive wall of 45. Cool. Sometimes I knew what I was getting. Sometimes I didn't. So, you know, that whole experiment, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's really deep in my, in my, in my DNA, Tom. Do you still have any of those 45s from back um, I don't. Oh, uh, no, not any of the 45s. They, there may be a couple scattered at my mom's house or something. Mm. I do have some of the actual albums. Like I have my very first record album. Well, let's start there. Okay. Um, I, I know uh, we, the introduce yourself, maybe you, you're still thinking mm-hmm. about, but let's start with your first record. Uh, yeah. Given that we're we're in that uh, period of your life, sure. Um, what uh, what gem do you have for us? Well, I'm not sure which one was ab- actually first. Mm. Let me grab this. Feel free to edit my digging and time. <laughs> um, I'm just admiring the wall. Oh yes. <laughs> so I I can't remember which one came first. Yeah. Those um, are those are quite diff- quite contrasting records. Yes. The Monkeys, the debut album from The Monkeys, or Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. I think I got Dark Side of the Moon when I um, for my third birthday. Wow. And I remember I asked for it. Wow. I remember because I liked the song, the, you know, all you can touch, all you can see, whatever they call it. Um, it's a, a brain damage. Brain yeah. damage. So um, I remember asking for it, and I remember getting it, and I remember the posters on the wall, and literally I got mm. it. And it came out in 72. And, wow. But, um, uh, and, and it's funny because the, the, the song Time has a skip. This copy here is exactly right. a skip. And I always grew up with that skip in my mind. So you thought that that was part of the song? Well, I, I knew it was, or it was yeah, yeah. I actually knew it was a skip because it, it kind of, the timing kind of changed. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was, you know, and I knew if I put enough nickels on the, uh, head shell of the record, it would force it through. Right. So, but for, uh, early on, I knew that wasn't the, yeah. the tactic. But um, <laughs> whenever I hear time and it doesn't have that skip, it's very strange to me. <laughs> <laughs>
And I, I actually think the monkeys one though. I think this one actually came first. Because yeah. I could see all my writing on it, like all these little faces that I drew on it. I'm not sure. Kind of. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I and can say that. Thomas beat to hell too. Yeah, you no know. kidding. It's. Oh, but that tells the story in itself, right? I love when you when yeah. you buy a, a secondhand record and it's you know it's got a, it's been on a journey. Here's this one. You can see where I probably tried to write my name there. You see it? Yep. You know, and you know it looks like you know it looks like a child's handwriting. So uh, yeah, it's probably the monkeys is probably my first one. I I don't know if I got it or maybe it just kind of it was in the house and I just you know it just became mine because I mm. that much. But yeah, this uh, you've so, still got it. Still got it. Yeah, there's a couple of them that I and interestingly enough, all I have a few records from my collection as a youth, and I actually have text inside this in case you know when I'm no longer on this planet. Right. Yep. My kids or whoever grabs this will know what the so house that's a, the, the significance of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. good. That's uh, it's important because you don't know what's going to happen to them once you're gone, right? Exactly, exactly. Not like everyone's going to be looking through it, but every record. But yeah, it's uh, like, oh, the monkeys. Which is, I don't want to keep that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a message in a bottle. Well, yeah, maybe something will happen to it. Maybe it won't. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I, you know, you you get a buy a secondhand collection and there's newspaper clippings or you know old concert tickets. I love that sort of stuff. I've got mm. a an ACDC album that had the um. Uh, the newspaper clipping of when Bon Scott died stuffed into it, okay. um, which I've sort of kept aside. So, yeah, I love those little sort of treasure. Yeah. Treasures that you find. I, I bought a John Lee Hooker album, and John Lee Hooker's immensely, uh, you know, um, uh, important to me. Mm. I bought a John Lee Hooker album and outslid, I mean, the records were perfect, and outslid a um, tour program that was wow. autographed. Wow. And, uh, you know, the story in my mind is, you know, the person they went to go see John the Hooker, they probably sold this record there. They took the record and then they got to meet John Lee Hooker. And I don't know if you've ever seen John Lee Hooker's autograph. No. Not the greatest penmanship. I mean, right. I, don't th I don't think he was, I don't think he was properly educated. I think he, you know, he probably had a, I would imagine maybe a, you know, seventh, eighth grade education or something, mm. maybe less. And so his handwriting is you know very childlike right and so yeah it's uh but yeah out it, it was a whole autographed uh tour program wow. around here I, yeah in one very of cool yeah so uh, we normally start we, we digress there a bit but we normally start with a record to introduce yourself which is always mm. a difficult task uh and people take it different ways but uh if you had to choose one from your collection what what album would you choose to give people an idea of who you are? Now, it's funny because uh, being familiar with your show and the question, I'm, I knew it was coming. And I'm like, fuck, which record am I? <laughs> what am I going to do? And then I started thinking, okay, well, occasionally I'll ask people this, a similar question. Like, okay, they call it the asteroid record, right? Okay. You hear an asteroid's coming towards Earth. What record do you put on? What's yeah. the last hour? You know, what's okay. the last thing you want to hear? I like um, it. And uh, your question is slightly different, but that's that's kind of how I framed it. And um, I was really struggling with it until about 20 minutes ago 
when I was going through my record collection, pulling some things that and I want to show you some real rare ones, you know, today, but while I was picking it and then I saw the record that I'm about to show you. And I was like, of course, this is the record. This absolutely defines me. If anyone wants to summarize me, yeah. a single piece of polyvinyl chloride, this is the one to do. Okay. Ah, great choice. <laughs> <laughs> the Stooges Funhouse. Yep. Yep. Oh my okay. God. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this speaks to me on so many different levels. Um, and, uh, this is an original pressing actually. Wow. I, 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 I grabbed this because this is actually a promo, a demo one. You can probably see the little sticker there. Yeah. Yeah. For the um, demonstration use only. So, uh, so yeah, this record is just phenomenal. Even the, I mean, the, the impact of this record on the world mm. has been, uh, you know, it cannot be overstated and it's got punk it's got funk, it's got rock, it's yeah. got, you know, um, uh, you, you could put this on and everyone will groove to it. So, mm -hmm. look, I love the Stooges, love Iggy Pop. The first album is great, but there, is, there, there are some tracks on there that you, you kind of got to plow through. A little yeah, bit. okay. Yeah. Um, Funhouse is everything that's great about the Stooges just distilled Mm -hmm. I believe is some of the best recorded moments, not just of Stooges and Iggy Pop, but of rock. That's an awesome, it's funny. I, I actually just picked up a copy of Raw Power this week. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's that's funny. I've had Stooges on in the house this week. Yeah. Raw power again. Fantastic. Um, uh, audio wise, it's not you know it's mm. not as pleasant to listen to as Funhouse. Yeah. So yeah. Me look, but raw power is probably a second. You know. Uh, you know. It's 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 in the top ten, but Funhouse I think needs to be at the very top. And uh, did you pick this up? Recently, or what's what's the story? I mean, it's a first pressing, so is it something that you sought out? Um, not really, not really. In fact, um, I um, I wasn't as familiar with the Stooges until about maybe ten years ago. Okay, um, I really started getting back into record collecting around two thousand two, two thousand three. Good um, time. Yeah, yeah. I'd moved to Australia from California. And I was really looking to kind of simplify things a bit. You know, I had all these CDs and mm -hmm. I was like, I'm, you know, whatever. But I just always remembered how fun it was to listen to vinyl records and how, how much of a good time I had doing that. And so when I kind of did this whole life restart in Australia, I started picking up records and, and obviously they were pretty cheap back then. Yeah. A lot of um, demand for them. And it was just something that I just, I loved doing. And it just had such a, a place in my heart from my youth. And um, I'd take these trips back to California to see my friends and family. And I'd go to the different shops and, and I just had such a great time doing it and hanging mm. out with my, my, my best friends over there. And we'd go to record stores and we'd, you know, just hang around all day and shoot the shit and, you know, talk music and talk whatever and yeah. records. Those memories are just, are, you know, th those are the ones to, 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 to base a life around. And so uh, I think... Um, at some point, someone mentioned to me first pressings, um, 
actually held their value a lot more, mm. you know? And yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember thinking, okay, well, maybe I should keep my eye out for a few things. And, you know, a Stooges first pressing back then was maybe hundred bucks and a regular Stooges record, you know, a, a recent pressing was probably 20. Okay. You know? yep. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to treat myself to a couple of and, and this is one of them. And I'm so glad I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Certainly yeah. holds its value. Yeah. Where were you digging in Sydney back then? It was sort of Utopia, Vintage Record, those sort of places? Vintage Record, um, uh, that's that's one of my favorite shops on earth. Yeah, it's, um, yeah same. <laughs> yeah, Vintage Record, um, they, they've always got a lot of uh, records that are, they don't have anything new, mm. really. And so everything is focused on old and there's a story around every single yeah. one. Um, I love Utopia too. Uh, like I'll go there when I when I need like the new Black Sabbath box set or something like that. Um, Egg, I always pop into oh, yeah. and uh, there's a few others in Newtown. I think repressed. Um, but what I really do is I tend to wait until some of the record fairs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, Newcastle, Hiss and Crackle. Uh, yes, I've seen you post about them before. They are phenomenal. They are, uh, that's, if, if they were my local shop, I'd be broke. <laughs> but they always have great stuff. I, you know, and if you go into Hiss and Crackle, another thing I like, two things I really love about Hiss and Crackle, they have a stage there where they have bands play every weekend. Wow. That's so they cool. have local bands come in for a couple hours, they play, and, and sometimes two bands a day, right? You know, and, and so it's, it's a real, and, and that, that's one, because you can go in there, you can, you hear some live music mm. and they also have a huge section that's just for local just newcastle bands and oh wow it could be current bands it could be you know the silver chairs or whoever mm. you know um uh i know they're not called the silver chairs but i'm saying <laughs> the silver chair like bands yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but uh um it's just local only and they also for any local band that brings in their record they give the band a hundred percent of the money. They make no wow. profit off of it. They That's just their exposure. So his and crackle is not so much just a record store, but it's like, a, it's a community kind mm. of for musicians. And, you know, it, it's in these sort of days, it's hard to find a store that you really love, you know, but for Sydney, I love Vintage Record, and for Newcastle, Piss and Crackle, that's a, a shop. Mm. That, uh, again, it's just a, Newcastle's very lucky to have that shop. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out at some point. Yeah. They have a record fair up there as well. I think you've they do. you've posted about that. Um, there's the Glebe Record Fair in Sydney. I, I presume that's still going as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glebe Record Fair is great, even though I caught COVID there last time. And oh, uh, the Hunter Record Fair is always very good. Um, there's some other record fairs around like Kayama and, um, oh, where's the other one? The Coal, Coal Coast, is that Kayama? Yeah, there's one kind of down. Oh, there's a Wollongong one. But, you know, where I live in Sydney is a pretty far drive. It's about a, almost two hours. And yeah. it's going to be pretty selective. Um, but, uh, yeah, going up to Newcastle, it's about an hour. Going to Glebe is about 45 minutes. But, yeah, Glebe, Glebe is the the high watermark when it comes to Australian record fairs. Do you do uh, much selling of your own? I used to. Um, I used to go there because I'd buy... I'd get my seconds and thirds, right? Like I'd, I'd get a really nice copy of Funhouse and then I would sell my okay copy of Funhouse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And, um, and sometimes I would actually, you know, I'd have records that uh, I would, uh, uh, you know, come across and I would buy and sometimes even just give them away. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like yep. um, if there was a collection or sometimes you, you see records that are, you know, out on the street or something like that, or uh, I would get those and then I'll, I'll, I'll take them to a record fair and I'll just give them away, especially young people mm. who look broke. You know, <laughs> it's like, here, try, try Van Halen. Here, yeah. try it. <laughs> um, You're continuing the tradition. I'm trying to, I'm trying to. Um, but then uh, this last, over the last years, obviously with COVID and everything, it's um, once they did the Glebe Record Fair again, I did the first one, phenomenal uh, uh, show. But then I wanted to go back and just be a civilian. Mm. And this last Glebe Record Fair, I think it was in April, I went and I just I just went to buy and flip and shoot the shit with people. And um, I had such a great time. Mm. And I, 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 I got a phenomenal batch of records. But um, but yeah, unfortunately, I caught COVID there too. So um, yeah, part of the part of the uh, part of the risk. Yeah, totally. So uh, you you mentioned um, that Hiss and Crackle they they do some gigs and they have some some live acts. So uh, that takes us to our uh, a seamless transition to to uh-huh. our next subject, which is your favorite live album. Obviously, the last. A uh, couple of years, it's been pretty hard to see live bands. So I found myself going through my collection and listening to uh, listening to live performances as kind of a fix for that, oh. you know, to, to replace that uh, the gigs. Um, thankfully, yeah. thankfully, everything's coming back now. But uh, w- talk us through your your choice here for your favorite live album. So live albums, I do enjoy them, but they could be a bit of a crapshoot. There's some live albums that are just fantastic and others that are like yeah you could tell it was mm. a bit of a money grab um two live albums really come to mind the ones that i play the most um i'll start with ufo strangers in the night and um yeah, here we go this has got to be of uh, and i don't know how much how much was re-recorded how much is truly live and what yeah. it, it sounds fantastic and especially if you can get a uk first edition of this Oh, Maron, so good. Uh, their version of Love to Love, Rock Bottom, every, every song on this album is just phenomenal. So uh, start to be, I've never started this album and not finished it all the way through mm. and loud. That, that's a band I would say that you see in every single record store on mm. earth and their albums are instantly recognizable because of uh, the work of hypnosis and yes. those great album covers. I mean, I think every one of their album covers is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They're very, they're very strange. Yes. <laughs> but this one also, see, what, what, it's funny you say that because I, I, as I was preparing for this and I wanted to grab these for the a bit of the visual, um, this album sticks out in any collection, whether it's the spine, whether it's in a crate. Mm. You know, I always tell just from the dots and the color yeah. around, it's like, oh, UFO Strangers in the Night. So um, if I would encourage anyone in this, this listening to this, if you haven't heard UFO Strangers in the Night, yeah, give, give it a crack. 
The other one, I don't know if you could see this from here. Can you see that? I can say that. Yep. You know what Very, that is? That's the Melvins. That's Melvins. That's Melvins Endless Residency. Let me grab this. So that's in a frame, is it? No, no, no. It is uh, a wooden box. Oh, wow. That is cool. It's it's eight vinyl records. Goodness. Of, I think it's multiple gigs that Melvin's did in uh, 2009 or something like that. Okay. I, don't, uh, I can't remember the exact year. This came out in 2011. This is a... Um, uh, uh, a package developed by Tom Hazelmeyer of Amphetamine Reptile Records. And that's really cool. A hundred of these ones made. Oh, wow. And each one is of an album with bespoke artwork. Wow. Album Houdini. This is a Tom Hazelmeyer um, uh, lino cut image of uh, Harry Houdini. Um, it's, it's a little hard to kind of, yeah. yeah, Lysol and eggnog. And then inside each one, I'll just, I'll open Houdini here. Um, again, that these bespoke cool. Lionel cuts. Yeah, they're amazing. Inside each one, there's customized, the band just customized a bunch of stuff inside here and scribbled and wow. did a bunch of kind of goofy stuff inside the, uh, inside the gatefolds. So, yes. And, uh, yeah, they are orangey colored. Yep. Kind okay. of a swirl, kind of a swirl. So again, there's only a hundred of these sets that exist. That's amazing. And Melvin's is perhaps my favorite band of all time. I, I was going to ask, because I do see a lot of Melvin's on your uh, on your Instagram feed. Yes. <laughs> I'm a little bit obsessive. And, and I've got, I mean, you may see these records right here. Melvin's. This is my Melvin's. Oh, wow. So wow. an entire square, two squares. Squares, two squares. <laughs> Two squares of, of just Melvin's. And most of that is Hazelmeyer stuff. I just do, you know, just anything that's collected. They do such... I mean, that that box set is like a work of art. Oh, it is. It is. Absolutely. And Hazelmeyer, his his method of, of art and Lionel cuts... Um, I've actually had an episode with him on the show. Oh, wow. And uh, if, I don't know what number. You can Google it. And he talks about his whole process... Cool. And how he comes about it. And most of these records are, there's only maybe a hundred made. Right. And a lot That's of really nice. are very, um, very not limited, but also, um, you know, recordings that they don't put out on other formats. Okay. So, yeah. So there's anyway. a reason, a reason to pick them up. Did you get that box set in 2011? Or did you I have did, to track it down? I had to track it down. Okay. <laughs> I had, so they did that box set and then they did another cardboard box set, which, oh, it's somewhere else over there. It's not, it's, it's beyond those two cubes. <laughs> um, and uh, it, um, they did a, a set of, I think 500 of those. Okay. It was a, uh, and it came on black vinyl. So it was a very standard one. Um, and I'd always thought like, oh, one day I want to get one of those Melvin. Mm the hundred, you know, in the wooden box. And I was just patient. And then someone offered one for sale and we struck up a deal. Luckily they were in Australia. Yeah. There's yeah, a couple they're... of hardcore Melvin's fans in Australia. You being one of them. I'm one of them. And <laughs> we share a lot of information back and yeah, forth. Okay. And when one of us travels to the States, like 
we'll try to buy records with one another in mind. Okay. That's and cool. so, you know, oh, you're missing, you know, the Sabbath one. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can get that, you know? And so we'll travel back and forth and we take care of one another. So okay. one of the guys just, he needed to, he, 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 he was tired of having it or whatever. And I said, I'll, I'll give it a great home. Okay. Shout out to the Australian chapter of the Melvin's. Oh yes, club. absolutely. <laughs> And have you ever listened to that? I think you said it's eight LPs. Have you listened yes. to it start to finish before? E, not all in one day. Yeah. Um, I do, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get in a mood to where I will listen to it. Like I'll do Houdini, then I'll do Bullhead. And then kind of by then, you know, I got to do other stuff and I'll yeah. come back to it. <laughs> I, I, I will not dip into it and dip out. It's kind of like, okay, I'm into it. We're going all the way. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I know what I'm listening to for the next couple of days. That's your Melvin's fix. Uh, yeah. And so I've also got this Mars Volta box set that I bought. Okay. Um, ironically from Hiss and Crackle. And I bought that, but I haven't had a chance to kind of go through it because I do want, it's still shrink wrapped. And I, I, but I want to give it the proper time and focus. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I've got 30 minutes. I'm going to just kind of flip through. It's like, nope, I've got, I want to take, a, there's a week of nothing happening. <laughs> That's when I'm going to focus on on, on the box sets. Do you uh, do you have stuff that you leave in the shrink? Are you? I've actually got a Powderfinger record that they put out uh, during COVID from that uh, that live show that they did, mm -hmm. the live stream show. And for some reason, when it came, I just put it on the shelf. Maybe the same thing. I, I didn't have time to listen to it right then and there when it arrived, mm -hmm. and it's still in the shrink. And now I'm like. Do I do I open it? Do I just leave it in the shrink? It's it's lasted a year in the shrink. Do I you know? Do I yeah. break the seal? I always break the seal. Like I I feel very strange about records that I'm not listening to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you mean? Yeah, and so I yeah I tend to break the seal. But you know that doesn't mean I I'm able to listen to every record. I, there's a lot of records that I just don't have time to. You know, I'll order and they'll come in and then I just all of a sudden then I just don't have time to listen to them. They're waiting for the Christmas holidays. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, they're not in the shrink wrap on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the other the other live album that, um, that actually, you make me think about this, the Lee Morgan Live at the Lighthouse. Okay. The Blue Note, it's a 12 LP set. Wow. And that's actually upstairs. That's a live album that I'll dip in and dip out of. Yeah. Okay. Box that I'll dip in and dip out. Because he recorded, I think, over... Um, I think over five or six nights and there were different sets each night. Yeah. And so I can say, well, let's listen to the Friday early set and I'll focus in on that. So it, that, that's one that I will, I will, I will dip in and dip out of. Um, but, uh, but yeah, mo most of the time when it's a box set, I'm fucking, I'm in it, you know, yeah. start to finish. Even have yeah, a lot of a lot of box sets. Is that uh, something that you pursue? I started to kind of do that, you know, and um, I got to be more selective because they they start to take up a fair bit of space. Yeah, and I'm finding that the bang for the buck is not as not as big. Yeah, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of 
box sets and, uh, you know, those super deluxe. There's a lot of that stuff coming out at the moment. It's Yeah, yeah. Um, very few of them I really revisit. Mm. Um, I'm curious to hear things like, I'll give you an example, um, Black Sabbath Volume 4. Mm-hmm. To me, that remaster that they did of Volume 4 is phenomenal. And I've got original copies of Volume 4, the UK, some of the US ones, and the remastered one they did, uh, the remix one is just is fantastic. Mm. But then it comes with a lot of other stuff I'm not going to really use. Yeah. I like the booklet. I like reading about it. But once I've read it, I'm like, eh, I'm you've, you've read it. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I can only hear so many different versions of, you know, them starting and stopping. And, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting once, but I'm not going to revisit it. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm starting to be more selective about box sets. I used to get really excited. And now I'm like, yeah, I got to. I got, I got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got finite space, right? You've got to be selective. Yeah, 100%. So uh, our next topic is uh, a Saturday night spin. People take this certain ways. I guess it depends on what sort of mood you're in for a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might be getting pumped up to head out to a gig or or a pub or something, or you, you might just want to sink into a leather chair and sip a cognac or something. Yeah. What What, what mood did you go for? Well, most Saturday nights, I've got a couple of kids and, uh, uh, you know, so on Saturday nights, yeah, I'm ready to relax. Um, <laughs> I do go to a fair amount of gigs um, these days, but I try not to, before I go to a gig, I try not to listen to a lot of music because I know I'm going to have the whole night of music. Yep. And I thoroughly think, and I'm not a religious or superstitious guy really, but I, if I'm going to see a band, I'm not going to listen to them the whole day. Mm. You know, it's uh, as someone said, oh, it's bad luck to do it. And for some reason, that's stuck. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to see Amel and the Sniffers. I'm like, I don't want to hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. Play that, you know. (laughs) Um, But for Saturday nights, there's one record that I've pulled out more often than not on Saturday nights. And I'll pull that out right here. Do you know this one? I do. I do. John Lee Hooker. Yes. It's Serve You Right to Suffer. Yes. Not serves. It served. I've seen it as both. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The earlier pressing say it serve. Um, I think there was a pressing that even said serve. It didn't have. I just serve, serve your right to suffer. I, I yeah. Think so, but so you was you were saying? Oh wow. Okay. So that's a that's an early a white label promo. Yeah. A mono wow. version of it. That's very uh, cool. This is one of my favorite records of all time. Have you have you heard it before? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, I'm I'm a I wouldn't say I, I'm probably not as big a John Lee Hooker fan as you, but he's certainly in my repertoire. Yeah, yeah. This this album is to me now. John Lee Hooker is as you know most people probably know is you know bluesman, and in the fifties uh, and early sixties, and why well, you even say to present day bluesman, you know mm. they live a pretty hard life, right? Yeah. Uh, but is especially pronounced in the fifties and sixties. And, and um, uh, he would, he had his problems. He had fidelity issues. He had, he loved to drink mm. a lot of records that he recorded in the early part of his career. He didn't do necessarily for, he didn't do all of them for money. He did a lot of them for a bottle of booze. Wow. Right? And so, yeah. So um, he, he was, while well, he was exclusive to one record company, Johnny Hooker was, he would record a lot of songs for different record companies 
under the names like John Lee Booker or J.L. Hook or something like that, you know, <laughs> so people would know who it is. Yeah. But his, the record company he was signed to exclusively couldn't really, didn't have a, okay. couldn't really get their, their, their talons into him. Yeah. And he would often do these things for, like I said, some booze or maybe five bucks or something. Yeah. So, um, there was always with, with a lot of early John Lee Hooker, it's, it's, it's a bit of a grab bag, whether the record's going to be, was going to sound good or maybe it sounds good. And, but the songs really weren't there or mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't in the right mood or he wasn't in the right space. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of qualifiers. So early John Lee Hooker period is very hit and miss. Right. Okay. Survey right to suffer is to me, the, intersection of when he had um he was healthy he had good songs he had an excellent recording studio a great producer a great backing band and the time to be able to really hone the craft so it's all these things kind of coming together and this is the album that was generated from it even his later work after this Mm. can get a little bit bumpy but um but if you really want to listen to and people want to understand a bit more about John Lee Hooker and really hear him at his, what I believe is his best. Yeah. It's the one to suffer is the, the, the best. And I mean, if you listen to the emotion in his voice, decoration day, the song decoration day, decoration day is a you know a holiday where soldiers would wear their decorations and things like that. But he turns it into this song to where his, his wife, uh, his girl dies on decoration day mm. to him going forward. Decoration day is the day that he goes and decorates her grave. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, yeah. if, if you don't feel something on that, you mm. know, <laughs> so, so, so you're in the mood to suffer on a Saturday night. You're, you're weeping on your couch. as you're well, listening to John Lee. If you got a beer, you know, you just kinda, <laughs> there's a, but by the way, that's probably the saddest track, obviously, but there's a lot of songs where you just kind of, you know, just kind of, yeah. It's, it's really kind of the right pace to kind of thump your beer. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't want to, um, there are albums where the mood stays pretty consistent, mm. like an ACDC album. They're all kind of bangers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like an album that kind of has an ebb and a flow. Mm. And in fact, coming out of decoration day is the song money. So you're kind of at this low and all it starts, you know, it starts to kind of groove again. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, 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 it's a strange transition, but I, I like those albums that kind of take you on a little bit of a journey. The best thing in life is free. You can give it to the birds and bees. I need money. I need money. I need money. Where did you pick this one up? I've, I've found, uh, you know, early blues and jazz really difficult to find in Australia. Now, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go to to the States pretty regularly. Yep. Um, so I'll pick some up there. I, I, you know, with the podcast listeners will sometimes say, hey, I saw this. And, you know, they know my taste. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. I'll, I, I've got some uh, listeners that are kind of around third man records. Ah, very cool. And they'll, you know, uh, I'll see something that's coming out. And I try not to take too much advantage of this. Every so often I'll, if I see something, well, one of my John Lee Hooker albums I have, um, it was a special pressing that was only from Third Man Records and they were only going to do it for a day. And you had to be by one of the plants to get it. And I I just sent out a note and said, 
hey, anyone out there near one of these things, let me know. I'm happy to reimburse you whatever. And brilliant. I'll get a couple of people that, you know, give me a shout out and that's nice. take care of me. That's fantastic. They're in uh, Third Man Records are in Nashville. There's a Nashville one and there's one in Detroit on Cass Corridor. And that's Jack White's record yes. label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Did you, uh, this is a, a bit of an aside, but uh, what did you think of the latest um, Jack White, White albums? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh. not White Stripes, latest Jack White album. Yeah, well, I haven't heard oh, the, the latest one, Entering Heaven Alive. Um, I'm not even sure that one's out yet. So he, he released the two. Yeah, yeah. Together. So Entering Heaven Alive, I haven't heard. The latest one, Fear of the Dark, is very cool. Brilliant. I love yeah. it. I like it better than the one before. Um, it sounds like he's gotten heavier. I mean, he was always, he always had a, quite a heavy guitar tone, but that's quite a heavy album for, yeah. for Jack White. Yeah, and he's experimenting with new tones and mm. things like that. It's like you can tell it's Jack White, but he's but you can tell there's growth and there's kind of new frontiers he's looking into. Yeah. And yeah, my wife and I both listened to it. In fact, I got it at Hiss and Crackle. And yeah. I brought it home and it's one of those albums to where I I don't know if you ever do this, you probably do. You come home, you have a little stack of records, and you're like, I'm gonna listen to all of these. And this one was so special, we just listened to it. Listen twice. to it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So uh, the next the next topic we go through, um, you've got an interesting response to this. Uh, maybe it's because you've got a massive collection, but a record you received as a gift, you you don't like gifts, or at least you don't like records as gifts. I don't like records as gifts. I don't like books as gifts either. Um, is it is it because uh, you feel like there's an obligation attached to it, or because you've got enough? Right, hundred okay. percent. 100%. It's one of these, and maybe I'm too much of a control freak in this area, but like, um, if someone gives me a book, I'm like, okay, what is it you're trying to push on me? Now I have to read the book. <laughs> no, I have to read the book. I did the math one time, a couple of years ago, I did the math. It's like, okay, if I read a book a week, which is a big, which is a good clip, I think, you know, mm. pretty vicious, then I only have a couple of thousand books I could read. So I better be picky, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and with records too, uh, like I, okay. Uh, as a gift, if someone says, what do you want for your birthday? I, and I'm able to say, I want this, this, you know, but I don't, first off, I really don't like gifts. I I'm fine without gifts. I've, I've been blessed enough in this life. Mm. I don't, you know, for you give, you know what, take, you know, make me something that doesn't cost money. You know, write write me a letter, a, mm. a handwritten letter, uh, which most people would rather pay twenty bucks to avoid. But um, <laughs> I would rather have something that from that. But if if someone insists on buying me a thing, um, when it comes to records, I'm so picky. Mm. I have so many. I'm kind of like, yeah, look, it, it's probably not going to be nearly much as enjoyed as if rather than if we just went out for a drink somewhere. Mm. You bought me a coffee, and we just kind of hung out for a little bit. No, that, that makes sense. I'm kind of in the mood. I'm kind of in this space now to where it's like, I'm, I'm collecting memories more than things. Yeah. And when it comes to the, and when you get gifted a record or a book, invariably the question comes two or three months later, Hey, did you hear it? Did you listen? Uh, what did you think of that? Yeah. yeah. Fuck, I have a chore now. <laughs> so yeah. Now that's not to say there's a lot of people who listen to our podcast and they're in bands and they send stuff. Yeah. That's and different. I'm very keen on that because I want to hear what what's going on, but mm -hmm. I kind of want to do it on kind of my time. And 
I always, whenever a band or an artist sends a record, I always tweet it out and I always share it online. I'm always, you know, because if a band's going to go out of their way to do that, I want to support them somehow. Um, I, I quite often I insist on just sending them some money for it because I I don't I, I don't want a freebie for me to mm. cost them something. Okay, you know I. I uh, I respect the work of the artist too much to to, to ask for freebie stuff. It's a great approach. How uh, when you talk about you know you've got enough records, do you know how many you have? What what's the size of your collection? Wow. So, so many that you don't know how many. I, do, I I don't I don't count. I lost count. I'm kind of not interested in it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I got too many. It I sounds like a daunting task. It is. It's and it's it's kind of a psychic, you know, burden too. Uh, trying to think about and my friend Phil uh, and I, we talk about you know what are we going to do with our records when we die? You know what's going to happen to them? I don't want to leave my family a problem. Mm. You know, and so you know, uh, I'm I know that uh, you know I, I want to collect about ten records that are going to represent me as best mm-hmm. as possible. Some of them that you've seen today. That's going to be the records that I'm that my family can keep. The rest of them just I can sell, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Don't don't have them end up in a tip. Don't accept some guy saying I'll give you a dollar each for them. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, but uh, get them in the hands of collectors and people who uh, who would enjoy them. You know, um, the guy I talked to you about, Dan, uh, my friend who died in 2015, mm. he actually left me his records. Wow and uh, his record collection. And I really didn't know what to do with him for the longest time. And he had, he and I had a lot of the similar musical heroes. Mm. As the podcast grew, I started meeting and talking to some of these people, uh, the people that Dan admired. So what I started doing with Dan's records is shipping them off to those people. Okay. So I would ask, you know, Henry Rollins, hey, would you mind if I sent you a couple of records? I'd tell him a bit of the background. Okay. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Send them over. Amazing. To uh, so you know, we were big Zappa fans. And so some of Z- his records ended up in the in the collections of the Zappa family. Um, so uh, I've got uh, Mr. Bungle. He and I love Mr. Bungle. Yeah. You know, and so now some of Dan's records are in the collections of the guys that are in Mr. Bungle. So wow. to, me, to me, that was like, you know, that fueled me. And, That's an incredible legacy yeah. <laughs> that you've created for his collection. I mean, yeah, and I put a piece of paper in each one that tells the story of Dan, mm. it tells about the record, and then, you know, it tells a little bit of other information, why it's special. But, yeah. you know, it's always like if you don't um, if you don't listen to it or you're not interested in it, then pass it to someone who, who will. Yeah. But I just don't want Dan's records to sit in a box. I'll also bring them to things like the Glebe Record Fair and give them away. So if there's a if there's a kid or someone who's like you know, he looks like he would be open to something new, something blowing his mind. It's like okay, yeah. well here's here's a copy of the meters. See what you think yeah. of that, you know. So yeah, and I've only got about four or five left of of Dan's records left now. So, jeez, that's amazing. That, yeah, that is. If you could think of a way for your collection, I mean, it's something that all collectors think about, right? What is going to happen to this thing that? has great value to me and that I've, you know, spent a long time sort of curating, you know, it's like your own personal sort of music museum. Yeah. You know, what's, it doesn't, it will never have the same meaning to anyone else. 
Yeah. So, you know, what what is, as you said, as long as it doesn't end up in the tip and, you know, or get mm-hmm. sold sold to some used car salesman for yeah. cents on the dollar. Um, yeah. I can't think of a, of a better legacy for a collection than what you're doing with your friends. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That, that made me feel real, uh, real, uh, real proud to be able to be the, the steward of this collection. Yeah. Now scattered around the world in, uh, in the and lives on. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, you've set a high bar for everyone's collections <laughs> in the future. <laughs> everyone's going to be listening to this going, geez, I need to find a friend who'll do that with my collection. Yeah. Well, you know, look, there are, there are, are worse, uh, worse missions to have, mm. you know, and, uh, and everyone I've said, Hey, would you like to have this? And they're like, yeah, that's great. You know? And, and I even hear back from them sometimes. It's like, wow, Miles Davis, that's awesome. You know, it's like, and yeah. so I know that they're listening to the exact same grooves that Dan listened to. That's really special. That's touching. Yeah. So that probably is a really good point to shift to the most important record in your collection or one of, one of your grails. I'm sure you have many grails, but uh, if you just, just pick out one for, for this, uh, for the purpose of this episode. One grail. Okay. All right. So I thought grail was, what am I still looking for? Why don't we do both? Okay. One right. you've got, one you're looking for. Okay. Um, so I tell you, the one that I'm still looking for, and I, and I could find it. I could probably pay top dollar on Discogs or whatever, but mm. that's kind of not part of the fun. Um, you need to dig it. You need to find it in the stacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, is um, John Frusciante's Shadows Collide with People. Yeah. Not Are a cheap record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. uh I see I I was thinking maybe you already had that because you started collecting in the early 2000s, but I had it in my hand. Oh I had it in my fucking <laughs> hand. I had it in my hand. It was 1995, Australian. Stop it. And no, and I was at this at this record shop in Chatswood. It used to be right at the train station. I forgot what okay. time time zone records or something like that. I had it in my hand and I was like maybe later put it back and I, I got something else from dead kennedy oh that's um, and now it's like a five hundred dollar i'll be you i do i'll be you no one's afraid to be called by another name no one dares to be born. that yeah. album is phenomenal and Look, I'm I'm not the world's largest Chili Peppers fan. Mm. Um, I but the work of their guitarist John Frusciante and also Josh Klinghoffer, their mm. solo stuff to me is distilled greatness of the Chili Peppers. And they're like, they're both on that album, aren't they? Um, they're both on that album. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, if, if people out there are familiar with the Chili Peppers, but not familiar with the solo work of Frusciante and, and Josh Klinghoffer, uh, I, I would urge you to check out the albums from Plural One, which is John, Josh Klinghoffer's solo work. And um, uh, John Frusciante's Shadows Collide with People is probably my favorite, his best. It's probably his best. Yeah, Curtains, The Empyrean. There's a few others that are quite good as well. But... Yeah, Shadows Collide with People. I just haven't found my copy yet. That, that's, your, that's your white whale. That's, that's my yeah. white whale. <laughs> uh, that and Tool, Anima, but I I think all that stuff's going to come out at some point. 
So with Anima, you you want an original pressing, I presume. I would be fine with whatever they are going to come out with, and whenever the, they get around, the, to do. they'll reissue that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's that's high on my list as well. It, it, that'd probably be in my top five albums, top five favorite albums of all time. Well, I, I have I have it on good account that it's all the artwork, everything is already done. It's just going to happen at some point. Fantastic. Well, so, that will be in my collection the moment it lands on the shelves. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, a lateralis. Anything from them, mm. I, I'm a customer. Did you buy the outrageously priced Fear Inoculum box set? Absolutely. And it's worth <laughs> every penny. Worth every penny to me. I just listened to it again the other day. It was, you know, just... They're, they're probably one of my favorite bands mm, yeah, of, same. of all time. And, and I, you know, you expect these sort of grand gestures when it comes to a product packaging from mm. them. And to me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm extraordinarily happy that it exists. Um, is it a bit of a hassle to kind of deal with and kind of, you know, keep switching records? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. It's kind of, they, they it will always makes us work for it a little bit. Yeah, harder. yeah. And wait, and wait for it. Yeah. I've so when you speak of packaging, I've actually still got the Lateralis CD with the um, amazing booklet. It's sort of yeah. clear, the, the pages are clear and it's layers, layers of Mylar. Yeah. 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 Really cool. So going back to John, uh, we have a saying on the show you never regret the records that you buy, you always regret the ones that you left on the shelf. And, and, and you, you, you almost every time you're in a record store or a record fair, you're then looking for that one you left on the shelf. It's yeah. so, you know, it's yeah. an itch that you that you have to scratch. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent Yeah, it's, it's it's the thing that got away, the one that got away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't 20 bucks. Wow. What a time. What a time to be a record collector. And it's such a great album, too. But uh but look, they reissued the Empyrean. Is that how you say it? The Empyrean? Uh Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> so they reissued that one. I'm. I. I hope that they're. I, I. I'm holding out for the. Yeah. Reissuing Shadows Collide, but that seems to be the, the one that's. They've reissued Curtains, which is another favorite of mine. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, Shadows. I think I saw on Discogs the average price is eight hundred bucks or something like that. It's. Uh, that there are copies for sale for about eight hundred bucks. Yeah. If you you know if you wanted it tomorrow you could have it but I, I get it you gotta you gotta find it you don't want to be that guy that pays eight hundred bucks and all of a sudden the, you get the email that says hey they're reissuing it order yeah now exactly for yeah exactly so a grail that's in your collection that's in your hands I'm gonna show you a few here okay this is exciting yeah this is the box of the box of love um let's see do I have any I'm guessing there'll be some Melvins in here. Well, I got plenty of Melvins, and uh, but I'm going to show you some really interesting stuff. Okay, historical stuff as well. You're familiar with the Nirvana Bleach the Water, yes, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's a green waterfront. That is cool. Yeah, I think what maybe 300 of these were made. Wow. Um, so uh, I, and Nirvana, love Nirvana. Bleach to me is their best work. I just yeah. and. You know, no judgment on the other releases, but this is the one that I started with, mm. the one that's in my head, uh, you know. So 
Um, I do love uh, Nevermind as well, and even uh, In Utero. But Bleach to me is the is is my favorite work of theirs. They're uh, they're the first band that I remember hearing the the, the uh, Nirvana. I distinctly remember being in a bathtub, Triple J on the radio as a kid. I must have been five years old or something. Right. They're, the, they're the first uh, music that I remember huh. hearing and saying, "What's this? This is Nirvana." Okay, I like Nirvana. Okay. Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, 35. Ah, got it. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah so I grew up, you know, grunge kid. Grew up yeah. Grew up with grunge. Silver chair, you know, saw silver chair more times than I can count in the 90s and 2000s. They are so great. I, I, uh, silver chair, I, I, when I moved to Australia, Diorama was out and it's mm. kind of being very big. And I, I absolutely love that album. I remember buying at that time a bunch of CDs and yeah. for a trip back to the States and passing them out to my friends. It's like, you guys got to hear this. Get on this. You got to yeah, listen yeah. to it. And they're like, oh, silver chair, those, those little kids. It's like, they're not little kids anymore. You got to fucking hear it. Sorry. Was, them and Super Jesus. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Australia punches above its weight in terms yeah. of... Uh, you know, particularly rock bands and um, metal bands, uh, you know, like amazing, amazing yeah. local music scene, Yeah, uh, as you would know. Um, you know, great live music scene, great festival scene. Yeah. But, yeah, Silverchair, even when they were little kids, they were kicking ass. Yeah. I mean, Frog Stomp is – I still put that on. I've, got, I've still got it on cassette, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the biggest crime with Silverchair is – they they were a three piece that came that looked like Nirvana that came after Nirvana. So everyone yeah. thought, oh, it's baby Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's they've probably still had to battle for it. There's still a bit of a punchline around the world because of that. But man, people who really take the time to listen, you know, uh, will be rewarded. Yeah, Especially yeah. Diorama to me is an album that I all I keep going back to. Yeah, like I think they uh, they matured massively throughout their discography, right? Yeah, uh, you know, Frog Stomp is you know it's a it's a very angsty uh, you know hard rock album, but you know they added layers, um, and I know Daniel Johns is still doing uh, you know he's still putting stuff out, um, yeah. and you know I think they've they've made a massive progression over their discography. Great sure. band, great Australian band. So okay, here's another one. You can see this. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm with you. That is a beauty. So to, uh, it is. Wow. <laughs> this is, uh, uh, for those of you who can't see this, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Uh, a sample promo copy from Track Records. Now, Track Records, this is a UK pressing. Yeah. This is on the label, I think the, the managers of The Who. Okay. Track Records. And they signed um, Jimi Hendrix over in the UK before he was well-known. Um, as he was getting well-known, they recorded it on the track. They released it on track. And this is a sample that probably went to some DJ or something trying to get some attention for this yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Man, what a great piece of history. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Um, let's see here. I've got a few others I'll throw up here. You're in Brizzy, huh? Okay, so I knew that. I knew when you said that. Man, man, oh man! I saw you spun this recently. Um, yeah, on your Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any saints on vinyl. Um, I haven't broken the checkbook out for that yet. 
You haven't got, oh, you, you got the, their first album, don't you? No, I don't. No? No. Yeah. What an awesome band. Yeah. And, you know, a piece of, a piece of Brisbane history, piece of sort of punk rock world music history, right? That you just can't, you, you don't really think of Brisbane. When you when you oh. think of that, but you know, it made it made sense with what was going on in Queensland at the time. Yeah, it made sense that a band like that would exist. Hundred percent, and yeah. So uh, Saints. So that was your. So that's a copy of uh, Stranded, which Stranded. they released themselves on Fatal Records. Five hundred yeah. were pressed, um, and it's really I think the first punk single, um, with the possible exception. Of this one, the damned new rose. Okay, so this is a copy of yeah. uh, a UK copy of uh, the damned new rose um, out of the UK. Is, is this your uh, in case of emergency box? Do you just get yeah. all, all of your? If there's a fire, <laughs> yes, sir. That's okay. what you're leaving the house with. Here's. Are you familiar with? Yeah, the Soundhouse yeah. tapes. So this is an original copy of Iron Maiden Soundhouse tapes. I think 500 were pressed. Um, wow. Beautiful, beautiful mint copy. Again, bought before the rush. I was a huge Iron Maiden fan as a kid. Yeah. And um, I remember they were the first band that I was just completely goofy over. Um, I got into them for peace of mind, but they had just played San Francisco. I used to live in the Bay Area. They mm. just played. And so I had to wait a whole another year for them to come around. Right. And I'd got way into their back catalog by then. And I then Power Slave came out. So I went to go see them at Power Slave, the Power Slave tour. Yeah. Right up front at the, I think it was the San Francisco Cow Palace. Right up front. As soon as they hit the stage, I saw them. I was like, I almost fainted. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is good. You know, I just, I felt like I'd built the anticipation up so yeah. much. And I probably ruined my hearing at that sh at that show, but it was <laughs> up the two, irons. Yeah, up the irons, absolutely. Here's two others. Yeah, I've seen these in your collection before. Descendants. Yeah, Descendants is the very first Ride the Wild. Um, this is, I think there were 100 pressed of these. Jeez, wow. Um, 1980. Here's an autographed. Uh, that's signed, hey? Yes, yeah. So that's, that's a rare record, and it's all signed. And it's weird, because I found this one at a record shop in Sydney, and they weren't, ask, they weren't asking much at all. I was like, what? Wow. Didn't, right. didn't know what they had, right? Didn't know what they had, yeah. So you're, you're a big Descendants fan. I love Descendants. I, I, I gather. Yeah, 100%. And growing up in the Bay Area, you, um, I mean, you had a front row seat to some pretty awesome bands, right? That, I did. That, that's quite the music scene there. I did. I didn't realize how good I had it until you know, I moved, moved away. And not that Sydney's bad, but, mm. you know, like Iron Maiden would go over there once or twice a year. Yeah, we're a bit further year, away. It's every hard, right? six years yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, some concerts I saw. I saw the original NWA, all five oh, wow. of them. Yeah. Wow. In Oakland, which was, you know, an adventure in itself. Yeah. Um, oh, the likes of Johnny Cash. Um, I almost saw Nirvana in a club um, at the Cactus Club. Um, I, I, I was way into bleach and I was like, I got to see this band. And, yeah. you know, and then they played this club not far from our house. And I remember seeing a friend of mine with a t-shirt on. I was like, where'd you get the t-shirt? He's like, Oh, they just played last week. I'm like, Oh shit. I missed it. Oh, well, uh, I'll get it next time. 
<laughs> yeah, right. There was no next time. There was no next time. Well, oh, next man. time, yeah, probably I would have had to go to a stadium. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other other bands I've seen. The big, uh, you know, the big four, obviously, that they, they came out of there, the big four of thrash metal, Metallica and yeah. Anthrax, I've, Megadeth. I've, I've only seen Metallica with Cliff Burton. I've never seen him with any other bass player. That's not bad. Yeah, and I, and I don't intend to. I'm not going to. Yeah, you've got to preserve that, right? Yeah, I saw them twice. I saw them uh, at a um, uh, Day on the Green, which apparently is a, was a, it's, there's video of it on YouTube. Mm. And then there's, um, uh, then I saw him at, uh, oh, the Henry, I think it's the Henry J. Kaiser Convention Center, New Year's Eve, 1983. Metallica, Megadeth, Exodus, and Metal Church. Jeez. Yeah. What a gig. I broke two ribs at that show. Yeah, what a way to ring <laughs> in the new year. <laughs> that would have been some mosh. Bloody hell. Yeah. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and, I'm, and I keep telling my kids and anyone who will listen, it's like if you see a band that you're kind of somewhat interested in, go see them now because you're going to regret not doing it. Same with, you don't remember the records that you bought as much as the ones you passed up. Yeah, yeah. Go see, just spend the twenty bucks, get yourself out for the night, go see this band. You'll, you'll, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Did you know what I? I think back to uh, the last time the Prodigy toured Australia, mm-hmm. and it was a Sunday or a Monday night, so it was a school night, and you know, going to a gig on a weeknight or when you've got work the next day is challenging because, yeah. you know, you want to enjoy yourself, you want to have a few beers, it's going to be late, you know, you're going to be exhausted the next day. My friend had, he got free tickets from a promoter, Prodigy, I know it's a school night, short notice, but let's go and see them. And weeks later, Keith was dead. Oh. And, and I just thought, oh, my God. I've, I've seen him probably three or four times. I love the Prodigy. Yeah. Thing, I'm so glad I, you know, you, you just got to, don't waste a moment, right? You just got to yeah. go and... Grab that record that you want. Go and see that band that you want to see live. Just do it because you never know what's going to happen. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You'll, yeah. So what are you going to do? Stay, stay at home and watch Stranger Things on Netflix? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, if you're really around. worried about being dusty the next day, just drink a couple of waters between the beers. Yeah. But yeah, you, you won't regret seeing those bands. And that's why now I'm telling people, go see the, the local bands. Yeah, you know, I, I caught the chats with about twelve other people at one point, and now yeah. you know they're doing amazing. Same with Amel and the Sniffers. Same with all these other Australian bands. It not only enriches the the uh, the community and get you out there, get you supporting these acts, but it also you you start to help them build a platform to do greater things. Yeah, and you know that was you know back in the day that was the guys going to see ACDC or Rose Tad or yeah. Udu Gurus. You know they were playing. Bondi yeah. Surf Lifesaver Club and, you know, they would have been small gigs and and then you can think back and go, geez, I saw, you know, I saw them back in before they were massive. Yeah. I and you don't, you don't know what band that's going to be in Australia, right? Um, Sometimes it's the opening band. Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah. I'll see band X and band Y is way down on the bill. You're like, oh, shit. That's yeah, a, and then, then you're at the merch bar grabbing the <laughs> latest album. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, and grab the record, especially if they have a record. Mm. But if they don't have a record, grab a T-shirt or whatever like that. You know, I've got a ton of T-shirts that is just, you know, look, 20 bucks at the merch table yeah, yeah. sends not only a financial signal to the band, but also uh, what I call the, the, the learner from Steve Poltz, attaboys, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> the confidence, the like, okay, you know, people are interested. People are, yeah. you know, and then I take the shirt and if I'm not going to wear it, I give it to my kids or I give it, but 
you know, if, if you can do it, always, always invest in an art and artists and, you know, makes a, makes your life and everyone's life much richer that way. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Nate, I won't take up any more of your time. Really appreciate you jumping on and, and taking us for a bit of a dig through your collection. Those were some really special albums that you shared. And thanks for uh, sharing the story of, of your friend as well and, and that legacy that you're, you're carrying on with his collection. It's really incredible. Um, really appreciate everything you do. Love the podcast. Um, yeah, I'd recommend everyone jump on if you're interested in music history, vinyl, culture, um, anything to do with that listen to the vinyl guide um, and give Nate a follow as well. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, man. Cheers. The Groovy Guys are Tom Kennedy, Dan Lozier, Chris Palumbo, and Matt Carvalho. With your host, Tom Kennedy, music by Dan Lozier, post-production by Matt, and album art by Chris. I better go though. My wife just texted no, no. me and said the dogs vomited twice upstairs. So oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Good no, luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Cheers. Okay. Yeah. Cheers.